My name is Jeff Perry. I pastor St. Louis Family Church. We uh, started in 1988. Goal is our motto, honor God and help people. That comes from love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This walk of faith is a deep and serious thing. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up near Lake Elsinore near San Diego, and it was very popular for uh, the hobby of skydiving. So I aspired early to, you know, uh, free diving out in the ocean and skydiving in the sky. And then, yet, I became a Christian. And when I became a Christian, early in my walk, I sensed a calling to become a, a husband and a father and, you know, and then also a pastor. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, hey, man, you know that skydiving thing you're interested in? Uh, lose that. Uh, well, so I started free diving in the ocean. I thought I had a pass and a loophole, and I, it, it now also includes free diving. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a landlocked guy, but even though I'm landlocked, I still have t water testimonies. Even here in the heartland, we're way far away from the Atlantic and the Pacific, yet we had 10 feet of water in our building. So water, water runs through it. A river runs through it, but yet still, Peter walked on water, and we all have water testimonies. And, the, and he said that when we go to him, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's destructive water, but there's also water of replenishment and water of refreshing. And um, so I want to go to the word and refresh you. This is foundational teaching on Sunday mornings. Due to the fact that through a global pandemic and all the variables of the socioeconomics, the geopolitical, all the variables we see in the nations, the wars, rumors of wars, the squeeze on culture, uh, small businesses, education, family, everything has been a bit stressed, except I want to remind you, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says, we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, and that Jesus is our anchoring, solid, the Bible calls him the chief cornerstone. And I'm a, I was a student of uh, architecture through high school and college, and I learned that a cornerstone and a foundation-laying moment is very critical to the advancement and development of the building as it goes. I, I was sitting here with my wife yesterday. We prayed for hours for the services and for your families, for our destiny. And I looked at these pillars that hold up this roof, and I thought about how we withstood a terrible flood and the building stood and didn't budge one bit. You know, the soft stuff, like the windows broke, we had the foreknowledge to take the doors off of the hinges. So actually, you archaeologists, these are pre-flood doors. These are pre-flood from, we took them off and carried them away, you know. It was, a, it was an amazing moment watching us run across the parking lot with doors under our arms. But because God had given us a prophetic heads up. And I believe the Lord who knows everything, is revealing to us the imperative to get solid, get rooted and grounded in God's love, pay attention to the word. He said, my son, attend to my word, incline your ear to my sayings, don't let them escape your sight, keep them in the midst of your heart, so stay in the word. Everybody say, read the book. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Guard your heart with all diligence, and that was exhorted through my daughter and my wife, for from it flow the springs of life. We don't want to let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor be named among us. We want to lay aside that sort of thing. 
Titus 3.2 says, speak evil of no man. So we pray for those in authority over us, whether we like them or not. We lift them up because we know they have a position of responsibility, and we pray God will bring wisdom, barrage guidance upon them over President Biden and his house, over, over uh, Kenneth Gregory as he's now our new chief of the St. Louis County. We pray he's been at it for 40 years. Before that, he was a school teacher, and he is, has an aptitude for leadership, and we pray wisdom on him through this time, right? Favor on the United States, and we would continue to enjoy freedoms and strength on the church. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, and I want to read a famous portion of Scripture, verse 13 through 20. I'm reading the New American Standard Bible, and I want to talk to you a little bit about how we are prevailing through these battles in life. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So he gets into, everybody say generality. Jesus comes in with a big, he wants them to paint the big, general, broad brush. What is society saying? What is the crowd? What's the mob mentality? What's the general consensus in the big scope of things? Who do people say that I am? And he said, well, some, one person said, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. But others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So their natural thinking, they're thinking that he's different people from history or the contemporary one with John, and, and none of which was true. It was vague. They, they thought, well, he's a prophetic. He's a voice crying in the wilderness. He's got a message. That part's true, but it was all vague, as is the crowd usually vague. The Bible says that in the end times, difficult times will come because people will be lovers of self, lover, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, boastful, arrogant revilers, and it says that they will accumulate teachers with themselves in a correspondence with their own desires to have their ears tickled. They want to only hear what they want to hear, and they become selective. And so he's saying they will not endure sound doctrine. So then we see the imperative for us to get back in the book, understand what the Word of God is, understand who God is, understand humanity and its role. Male and female, he created us. He said, be fruitful and multiply gave us very clear the Judeo-Christian foundation has caused the Western culture, Western civilization to thrive. Any aberration of that, any chipping away of that is to its detriment. So we've got to return back to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. And we've got to go back and respond even to a question, line of questioning like this from the Lord himself. Who do men say that I am? Well, they, this and that. You know, you're a good teacher. You're a Hebrew prophet from the past. You know, you're, you're an interesting uh, guy from Nazareth. And, uh, but then he says, verse 15, but who do you say that I am? Now he goes from the macro to the micro. He goes from general to specific. He goes from the mob to the individual. And, he, and Simon Peter answered. You ever been in class where the teacher asked a question and you're like, I actually know the answer to that. <laughs> and some sort of crazy, surreal bravery got up in your arm and shoulder and you found yourself going like that. And then the teacher scanned in slow motion and saw you and said, what's the answer, Sally? And you went, you're right. How many of you had that happen to you at least once? How many of you in your dreams have had that happen to you a million times, right? Well, this happened in Simon Peter's case, and he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. 
Bingo, bullseye, jackpot. Yes, correct. You are correct, sir. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because, look at this, flesh and blood, human logic, mental rationale, natural sense evidence did not reveal this to you. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't get this from assessment. You didn't get this from your five physical senses. You didn't get this from impulse or philosophy or theory. But my Father who is in heaven, no one comes to him unless he draws them. God touched his heart and brought a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Later we read that Paul prayed for the early church that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would come. I pray that as my prayer responsibility for us all as a church. I hope you pray for me that God will give me a wisdom. I just prayed for uh, Rick Stone. His mother, 86 years old, just passed. And he keeps trying to write notes. He's going he's gonna to share the message at the service. And uh, I prayed with him that God would give him a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know what to say about his dear mom. She rededicated. She was on course. He's going to preach the gospel in the next couple of days. And I pray God will give him a spirit of wisdom and revelation and all the people there, right? So he says, I also say to you that you are Peter, verse 18, look at this, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. How many of you love that verse? But yet, have you ever been attacked by a gate? The gates of hell will not overpower it. What does that mean? It sounds really awesome. Generally, we know we're going to be delivered, and, and whatever the gates of hell are, well, here, here's what my friend Dick Mills, he was a real linguist, a student of the word, and he talked about the gates of hell that will not prevail. And he said, in the Bible days, the gates of a city were the ordinary place for transacting business, administering justice, and conducting trials. People met there to discuss news engage in commerce, like buying and selling, uh, to make communal plans. Uh, during Abraham's era, Lot sat at the gates of Sodom. Uh, Abraham negotiated a land purchase with Ephron in the gates of the city in Genesis 23.10. Sometimes the word gates or gate conveys the idea of people meeting in a forum setting to discuss and decide outcomes of certain issues. That's a big deal right there. Gates are environments of authority where people sit and assess ideas and make strategic decisions. And so it's starting to emerge now that the strategies of Satan and his evil cohorts and the demonic forces, the legions of demons, cannot prevail over the church. When we received Holy Communion today, we said, like they did in the Passover, we are under the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, all the darkness passes over us. We are covered by the blood of Jesus and therefore protected from, and that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We, believe, we plead the blood of Jesus over our household. We've been praying a lot for our church, particularly through the last couple of years. Anybody and everybody that relates to St. Louis Family Church as their church is getting a lot of specific prayer from me as a pastor from my wife, from our team, our staff. We had a staff prayer meeting right here. One of our staff members was going through a battle. We prayed for her. She was in ICU. Then she got out of ICU. Then she was in a regular room. And now today I heard from her daughter that she got to go home. Hallelujah. Healthy and strong. She's going to come back and make a full recovery because he always causes us to triumph. 
But I want to tell you, we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. There'll be wars, rumors of wars. You could get quite anxious if you really focus on the wrong things. But on the other hand, you go to this verse... And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven, he revealed it to you. And I believe for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come on you. I pray you get insight into the true nature of things. And James chapter 1, verse 5 says that whenever we lack wisdom, we can ask God and he'll give it. And in verse 3, it says, count it all joy when you encounter various temptations, tests, or trials. My wife was talking about trials we've had through our marriage. And I'm telling you, they were severe. They were real. We were so immature. I was, you know, it was hard. We had to cry out to the Lord. We had to learn and grow and work. We're a whole lot better than we were by the grace of God, by the opportunity to mature and grow. How many of you are new and improved, better than ever? Let me see your hands. Now, if you're reluctant to raise your hand, raise your hand by faith because he always causes us to triumph. In fact, let's all raise both hands and say he always leads me in triumph. Go like this, uh, snap your collar and say, this is what progress looks like. (laughs) Look at somebody next to you and go like that. Just pop your collar and say, progress. You're a work in progress. You're a work of art. The Bible says so. And I'm not just glibly flattering you because some of you veered and lapsed and you need to repent and come back. But even that, just by the fact that you're here and you know that, shows that God is substantially ushering you past the darkness past the failure, past sin patterns, and he always leads us in triumph. He's the author and the finisher of your faith, I remind you. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can persevere, we can overcome. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So it says here about this, sometimes the word gates conveys the idea of people meeting in a forum setting to discuss and decide outcomes of certain issues. Genesis 34, 20 says two men, Hamer and Shechem, came to the gate in a forum uh, and asked if Israel would approve of a marriage between Shechem and Dinah. Boaz conducted the kinsman redemption of Ruth with the elders in the gates in Ruth chapter 4, Verse 1, Patsy and I were reading Ruth a couple days ago together. Eli conducted priestly administration in the gates in 1 Samuel 4.13. It's kind of like city hall. It's kind of like the boardroom. It's kind of like where people gather to make critical decisions. Absalom made kingly decisions in the gates while stealing the hearts of the people away from his father David in 2 Samuel 15.2. That reoccurs throughout time and he tried to steal the hearts of Israel at the gate, right at the, I've seen the devil use people to juxtapose to try to lure people off course. Nehemiah in chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that Ezra the scribe read the law to the people gathered together in the broad place before the water gate. You know what? In Israel, there's a lion's gate, there's a water gate, there's a golden gate, the dung gate. There are all kinds of gates and all around that walled city. Gates are places, portals where you go in and out. And uh, the devil, we don't want to give him an opportunity. We don't want his strategies to impose and bear down on our progress, do we? And the Bible says that God will help us with that. He says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The Greek word translated gates in Matthew 16, 18 is the word pule, pule, which means the gates that stood for those who governed or administered justice there. So Jesus was telling us 
in this moment that neither the plots nor the strategies nor the strength of Satan and his evil spirits will ever prevail against the church. Can I hear an amen? In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And I am not going to apologize one bit with what I'm about to say. I'm telling you Jesus is coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. I'm not going to apologize to tell you that he's not weak toward you, but he's mighty in you. I'm not going to tell you that the church is weak. I'm telling you the church is strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because he said he would build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So whatever you and I are going through, we have an amazing cornerstone, a solid foundation, a sure footing. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. And when the winds blow and the waves crash and the rains come, the house stands. Why? Because it's built on solid footing. We go to a church where in 1993, we know famously the river overflowed its banks, the levee broke, and the building flooded. So we can literally say at St. Louis Family Church, some, most of you weren't even born uh, before 1993. How many of you, 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 haven't been, you weren't born yet? Raise, all of you raise your hands. You, you're so young on the inside. Seriously, who was not born before, before 93? Let me see all the hands of the people who were, yeah, okay, Ethan on my staff, a whole bunch of you. Listen, take my word for it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. And there are people in here who have gone through battles. You guys have. You've prayed. It was harsh. It looked rough. It was difficult for a long period of time. But God, 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 God brought you through. The chief cornerstone, the rock of ages. Boy, you hold to uh, Lamentations chapter 3. A steadfast love of the Lord, in my case, has never ceased. His mercies have never failed. His compassions never come to an end. They are new every morning. Say this with me. Great is your faithfulness. Say it. Great is your faithfulness. One more time. Great is your faithfulness. Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. How many of you appreciate that? How many of you are glad you're on solid footing? People criticize me. They say, oh, Jesus is a crutch. No, he's not only a crutch, he's my hospital bed. Not only is he my hospital bed, he's the whole floor of the hospital. Not only is he that, he's the whole hospital. He is, in fact, my whole foundation. The firm foundation of my life is a person named Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. God's revelation to humanity. Our acceptance of that, our faith, our belief, our commitment, our adherence, the value of each of us in our personhood as individuals. The Bible says we're living stones jointly held together. I'm fascinated by the local church and all of the God's purposes for it, particularly this church, since this is where I'm given my lifespan and my efforts. I love the body of Christ generally, and when I run into another believer from somewhere else, I'm just thrilled because I know we're brothers and sisters. I know that all this ethnicity business is covered because the Bible says around the throne, people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every dialect will be singing praises to God. And that so all these nations uh, are like dust on the scales and that whole countries have the possibility and probability of being nudged toward redemption and that where things were previously depraved and deprived, they could come into a great encounter with God. 
The God I serve touched Nineveh, the city of headquarters in Assyria, and the whole city repented. I believe that whole households can be saved. The Philippian jailer's household is an example. Lydia's household is an example. Your household, I believe, for uh, my wife now is in faith for all the people in our bloodline. I met two half-brothers in California in the early 80s, twin brothers that are out there. And uh, I'm believing God for them, for the people they're related to, people I don't even know, uh, way out there. I'm not that interested in genealogies, but I am interested in souls. And I'm believing God that you and your household will be saved. My mom got saved. My dad got saved. My brother got saved. My brother's gone out now on the mission field today to go help people in a tornado. My dad went out into eternity with Jesus in his heart, as did Patsy's parents. My mother asked me to lead her to the Lord. She was so oppressed in her life. I'm telling you, God will take hold of a whole household. It's perpetuated. You believe in God. You got your kids here. They're, they're processing it. Some of you kids are here and you're analyzing and considering Jesus for yourself. I want to assure you that he is the sure foundation. You don't have to go with anything cultic. You don't have to go with anything Eastern or esoteric. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Recently, the richest guy on earth said he, he believed in the, in the God of, Sp of Spinoza. So I looked up Spinoza and his philosophies, you know, and kind of made things vague about religion. I'm telling you, Jesus makes it crystal clear. Who do men say that I am? Well, you're this, you're that, you're the other thing. But who do you say that I am? It gets personal. There's a doctor here from Turkey. He knows Jesus is Lord. So, do his, so does his wife. So do his kids. And, and his life has been enriched by it. This has fostered, who in here would say, my life is different now that I've surrendered my life to Jesus? Who would say it's better than ever? Who would say, I didn't know there'd be this many ridiculous attacks? Who, who, who feels like one of those salmon swimming up the waterfall with the, black, with the grizzly brown bears trying to bite you in the face while you're swimming up to, right? I watched a video documentary of fish getting even with the, the bears and slapping them with their tail. I thought, those are, those are St. Louis Family Church salmon. It's like, oh, there's a bear there, whack! You know, that's, that's I, I feel that collectively from you guys. Everybody in your seat go, whack! So you gotta do that, man. Sometimes you just gotta do a tail flick, right? You know you wanna do that, come on, quit looking at me like that. The gates, that governing body of evil forces, it's iterated in Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of this darkness, and spiritual forces of wickedness. That, in fact, those are the gatekeepers. Those are the demonic forces. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says Satan, the devil, is the small g god of this world. And I, I theologically recognize we're in a moment where God is having the church show forth his excellencies. He has given us authority. In fact, I didn't finish this, but he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against what I build. And he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This is, in effect, what I'm teaching you right now. The key of understanding, first of all, the only foundation is Jesus Christ. And we build on it with gold, silver, and precious stone. We're going to see monumental achievement. We're going to see great results. I go to the church where we have inroads into our own inner city community and have for over 20 years. 
It transcends all these social ills. It's just something the Holy Spirit's led us to do. I see where instead of throwing our arms up in the air and wondering about the millennials and Gen X and, and Gen Z and all that stuff and being all upset about the youth, no, we're going to do what Abraham did and we're going to download precious vital truth in the direction of our young people. We're going to pay off our facilities and lay out a good foundation, have sound doctrine, a spirit of faith, a love atmosphere that's self-perpetuating by the power of the Holy Spirit so that if Jesus tarries and we all die or if a rapture occurs, we'll have this thing all covered one way or the other. I'm living like he's coming back today. I'm planning like it won't be for 100 years. So I'm going to develop and build and do everything I can as long as I can and because I know that we're building on a solid foundation. His name is Jesus. And he says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Boy, when I heard this, when I was a young Christian, it initially was foreign to me. What's binding and loosing? Forbidding and permitting. And when you line up with heaven, he starts revealing his counsels to you. And as you get your mind renewed, you're not conformed to this world. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. But you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then verse 2 and 3 says, you might prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Question, how many of you want to be in God's perfect will? How many of you want your kids in God's perfect will? Little J.D. in the first grade, little Sophie, Sophia in the fourth grade? Middle school, wow, that happened fast. And uh, you want them to walk with God. You want them to be buoyant when the world's gone crazy. You want them to be in it but not of it. You want to have, how many of you want to have practical, godly, stuff manifest through your life. There's a lady of a prestigious role in the heart surgery zone of Missouri Baptist Hospital. She was on a flight, and she said, Pastor Jeff, you know, you're encouraging us about sharing the gospel. I was on a plane coming in from Texas, and people that I recognized to, to, to be uh, of Latino background, we're, we're talking in a way where I heard everything they said. I wasn't eavesdropping. I just couldn't help but hear it. We're so close. And they were talking about their role in their uh, leadership role in the government in Texas. And, they, and so at, when we landed and we were able to get our seatbelts off, I turned and I said, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt or intrude, but I couldn't help but hear. And, and you know, uh, I'm wondering if it'd be okay with you if I prayed for you. And they said, oh, please do. Please do. We need it. So they leaned into each other, and she said, Pastor Jeff, I got to bring this word to them and pray for them about this moment of their God. So the way she looked at it, God ordered her steps. She's sitting there minding her own business. I guess everybody's masked up on the plane, so, you know, there's not a whole lot of, of uh, face recognition software that's available. So, but yet your discerner still works, right? And so it worked where she was able to provide a moment to pray the prayer of faith. Whatever we bind on earth, we come against the devil over that, their leadership going forward. We loose the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We pray this over the education of our kids going forward. We don't want evil to be called good and good to be called evil. So we, take, we bind the enemy trying to light a light upon our young people. We, we loose the power of the Holy Spirit on our next generation. We pray a protective hedge round about the youth of today and pray that they will Run and not get weary. They'll walk with God. They won't veer off course. They won't take the bait of the enemy. They won't be deceived. Amen? Yeah. 
There are a lot of goals we have, man, to conform to the image of Jesus. The Bible outlines certain things for us. He says, look, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter, you're blessed. Blessed are you because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You got something from God. Let me tell you, I believe we could pray. The eyes of people's hearts will be enlightened. The lights will go on in people's lives, right? Those who walked in darkness shall see a great light, right? Listen, church, I'm, I'm preaching to, to the choir, and I'm, I'm speaking for your edification. I'm believing for your advancement, for your strengthening. I'm believing for you to coordinate and hit the mark in all the high purposes God has for each one of you. You're anointed. Jade Payton, you're anointed to speak into the lives of a breed in a certain time. You've got a gift. You've got credibility. You've got a wherewithal. You've got sensibility. Some of it you've told me about, but, man, there are just so many more open doors for you. It's so many more things right around the corner. Uh, uh, Gettikers, the, the price you paid when the devil tried to sift you like wheat. You've come out on the other side and through the refining fire, and, and you just had a new grandbaby, your second grandson. And there's just so much wholesome blessing in your direction. But for you, a lot, of, a lot of great achievements, a lot of amazing fruit. But for you, really, literally, the best is yet to come. And God has a plan for the Gukases and for the Padens and for, the, for, for, for everybody in this house. God has a plan. And it's amazing what his plans are. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give us a future and a hope. Of course, there's been stiff opposition. Jesus said there would be. He said, uh, uh, in the world, you'll have tribulation. He said, uh, uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But it doesn't stop there. It says, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. Hear the word of the Lord, ladies. You're mighty in God. There's neither male nor female in Christ. In terms of God's provision, you're A plus, A list right there, cutting edge, new creatures that are more than conquerors. The Holy Spirit is upon you. He said handmaidens and bondservants, which means female and male. Great references in the Bible to the women of faith, Deborah, Ruth, Mary, to just name a couple, uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And I believe the, the plan of God is so tangible. The will of God is so powerful. The enemy seems formidable, but Jesus said, I'm going to build my church in such a way that all the strategies of the enemy will not hinder. That all the demonic forces of Hades cannot overthrow. That all the lies of the father of lies cannot thwart the truth. That the truth, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. Walk in the truth, carry the truth as your banner, and you will see the development of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You'll crave and covet earnestly spiritual gifts, prophecy, words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Your discernment is going to sharpen. I just had some beautiful uh, church members, that they're jewelers by trade from a long heritage of jewelry, and they knew that I love those little magnifying glasses, those little loops. Kent Taylor bought one for me, and they just gave me one that has my own initials on it and has a light in it. And it was so precious, I can't wait till the service is over so I could go and look at it some more and look at stuff with it. I love playing with, with flashlights, and I love playing with magnifying glasses, and now I've got both <laughs> with my initials on it so nobody could take it from me. So, but it's thoughtful, and it makes me think about what I'm saying right here. The Bible says a spiritual man appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. You are an enigma 
to your coworkers and friends. They're like, what? Why are you hopeful? Why, what makes you tick? Why do you stay solid? How is it that you're able to pay your debts? How is it that you stay married? How is it that your kids love you? How is it that you keep winning? How is it that you get idea, good idea when they make us work double shift and you yet keep a good attitude? How is that? I'll tell you, Jesus lives on the inside of me. He's changed me. He's changed my thinking. He's made me a new creature. I give him all the credit. And in case you got to catch up with some of that, we're conforming, we're developing, we're living a life that glorifies God in everything we do. Living, working, providing for our families, being a good wife, a good husband, good child to your parents, maintaining godly character in a crazy, convoluted, ungodly society. I believe the Lord has begun a good work. Amen? And that when we give our hearts to him, he causes us to become a brand new creation, a species of being that never before existed. And I believe we're poised and being prepared prepped for a magnetic juncture of divine happenings. And I'll close with this. Caesarea Philippi was a turning point moment of clarity for Peter. He said, Simon Barjona, Simon Peter answered, and he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. I believe God had that nurse on that airplane coming back from Texas arranged to sit by that family and overhear that situation to pray them through on governmental stuff in another state. I believe when we were here and we saw the Serbians attack the Kosovars, the ethnic Albanians, the Muslims, God particularly called us out like a Macedonian calling, and we went in there and poured it on for over 20 years, earned the right to speak into the lives of a post-socialist, post-communist uh, nominal uh, Muslim environment to communicate who Jesus Christ is in really essential, practical terms in such a way that eventually people started to receive him and that people came to know him. And now a church is flourishing in that setting. The pastor is going to several countries around, including Macedonia, where Paul preached. Illyricum is where he lives, where Paul preached. And, God, and now we've got pe people driving right now into the storm, a footprint storm that devastated so many Kentuckians, and the Lord has anointed us to alleviate that suffering. The last service, an alder woman from the 27th Ward here, second ward or 27th Ward? One of the two. She's here, member of our church, drives in from the city, realizes that we have some amazing favor, a particular responsibility into our own urban environment. I believe the church is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I believe a local church like this one. I'm, I'm a big, I went to a church on my vacation and the pastor did a great job. It was a beautiful group of people. I loved it. I felt at home. He preached a great word. I got so edified. He did a great job. Couldn't wait to come back home. I couldn't wait to be here because this is my church. You're, you, we, we are standing together. Don't let up with me. I'm just loving on you a little bit. And it's the proper working of each individual part that's going to cause the growth of the body and the building up of itself in love. The ground has gone fallow through this pandemic. Four months, we didn't have physical gatherings. Then we came back together. The seats are spread out a little bit. We're trying to do the right thing with all that. We want to make sure we're loose in healing and coming against sickness, right? and it's serious, and I come against microbes and uh, bacteria and viruses in the name of Jesus, and we're standing in faith. 
We're believing God. And um, in order that these next steps, oh, hallelujah, these next steps that I anticipate where you break up the fallow ground, see, it's about ready to rain righteousness on you. And those seeds will germinate, they'll grow, and they'll be just at the right time. Sometimes if you plant, God might know there's this harsh freeze that'll come. So he says, don't plant yet, don't plant yet. Be led by the Spirit. Okay, now plant. Freeze is over, now it's going to grow. He might say, plant up here so that because it's going to flood. So plant up on this spot so that your crops are spared. So the preciousness of the, of the results will be protected. Do you believe God gives divine delays? He orders our steps. He has plans. He's at work in you, and he knows how to order uh, and guide us. If we'll listen to him, we'll lay aside our self-will, and we'll lay aside our trippy stuff and say, God, what do you want for my life? Um, we'll see answers to that. And we'll be so glad. We'll look back and we'll go, man, the Lord had been really good to me. 